This is the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, Episode 8. We are talking to artist G.W. Bott. Hello and welcome to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, a podcast for people curious about art and the lives of artists. In this episode, Senior Curator Danny Lacey talks to artist G.W. Bott about her works in Coast, the Artist's Retreat. G.W. spent time at the Police Point Artist-in-Residence Cottage at Portsea and drew inspiration from the landscape of Point Nepean and Sorrento Backbeach, translating the landscape into a symbolic language of glyphs. G.W. talks about the development of her work, her memories of the peninsula and how she learned to draw in the shadows of the coastal cliffs. Thanks for joining us today, Chrissy. It's great to be here, really and truly, Danny. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being part of the Coast Exhibition. It's come together really beautifully. It's a mix of historical works with five contemporary commissions alongside those historical works. It's really great to see the works up on the walls and the floor and to see how the shows come together. Can I start by asking you the process behind your work and how you went about making work for this exhibition? Well, I was granted a residency at Police Point 2016, and I drew and walked and thought, which is what residencies allow you to do. That's all you have to worry about, not all the other things in life that pull you and test you and whatever they do to you. So I painted and I did watercolours mainly of, it ended up being the tea trees and the mooners down there and just sat and painted all day. I think I was down there for a week, maybe a couple more days over that. And then this exhibition coast grew in ideas and how I might contribute to the exhibition. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do with watercolour and was so happy that there was another chance to come down this year. And I did the big piece, the moonoglyphs, from Cheviot Hill on this rather large sheet of paper, two metres by one metre, and it was just perfect. It was just really, really perfect. Walking up to Cheviot Hill, my sketchbook, making a few sketches. It was in the morning, and I've written that into the title, and there's a reason behind it because in the morning there there are no shadows when you're looking east because you're looking into the sun rising, And the shadows often add to the movement. The mooners are very dancing trees. There's a great choreography they have amongst themselves, a choreography of mooners. How's that for a collective phrase? So I was thinking in the back of my mind, that means that's the end of the day. I have to come. And for some reason, I just wanted to get these drawings sharpen my mind from the watercolours I'd done a year ago and get these drawings down to go back and work because time was ticking already at five days I think down on the second one anyway I said don't worry about the shadows just do the movement so what ended up for me was this kind of lightness this celebration you get in the morning when the day starts and so it's a very celebratory piece of the mooners And I really like the Mooners as well because over the years I've been working on what I call glyphs. So these are called Mooner glyphs. And glyphs for me are a language of the Australian landscape. 
and in particular the moonoglyphs are the landscape down here on the Mornington Peninsula and in particular at Point Nepean. So it's a very site-specific piece but it also has a kind of universality in that the mooners are you and me. And you have a long association with the Mornington Peninsula and the part of the world down here. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship to the landscape down here and how you feel about coming back to this place time after time because you're now based up in Canberra? This area has been one of my homes since early childhood and it was another very personal realisation by spending time down at Police Point in the little cottage there, 19th century cottage, how important this whole area had been since I was born in Pakistan and when I came back my father's grandparents lived in Melbourne so Melbourne was the base and Gran and Grandpa had a place in Macrae that was home so it was a sense of gathering memories from early, early childhood all the way through meeting up with uncles even the building of the wall near Dramana sort of en route to Macrae, there was a point in the bay where the earth was being eaten away by the sea. So it was decided that a stone wall needed to be built. And I can say with pride that it was my grandmother on my father's side, my father's mother, proudly gave some of her money for the building of this wall. So we have photos in the album of the Clydesdales pulling the bits of masonry along the beach to build the wall. And there was great excitement And that was about looking after the landscape. The landscape was there, but it needed some kind of looking after as well at times by humans. Humans could help rather than destroy. But sadly, at this stage of my life, it seems that so many things are being destroyed. And one of them, for me, is the overdevelopment of the Mornington Peninsula. The houses are just enormous on these small blocks and... Even the bores, there seems to be no record of the bores going in and what it might be doing to the aquifers. And So I won't go into all the details there, but there's a greater sense of urgency and fragility about it all, as well as the majesty and the power of things like the ocean, which has an eternal feel to it. So one can't be always gloomy about it all. So I try to be positive in my artwork. So this drawing in the exhibition of the moonoglyphs is the landscape at its most exuberant and joyous, perhaps. And continuing on with that, how has your perception of the Moynton Peninsula changed over that time from childhood to now? Obviously, there has been a lot more development than what there was. Mm. But in terms of maybe reading the landscape through the natural elements the trees and the cliffs and the beaches and the ocean. How has your perception changed over the last number of years? I suppose it's a question, Danny, of growing up (laughs) or still growing up, but there's still a sense of wonderment of what the sea and the ocean brings in day by day. And so there are constants in all of that, things that you loved when you discovered things as a child and you still love today because there's still a question of discoveries as well, because of the nature of the movement of the sea and the earth itself as well. But 
I was a little child and then we had two children and so it was like seeing all of this all over again, living through these discoveries all over again. And I started really, really drawing then when our children were little. They wanted to do their things by the ocean in particular. And being the mother, I needed to look and watch, be ever watchful, as well as giving them freedom. So I learned to draw in the sand dunes. And when that summer sun comes up, there's not much lasting in it. It's full on. So I discovered if you were in the sand dunes, there were shadows. You could hide from the movement of the sun. So I could draw all day in the shadows. So the cliff glyphs, the steelworks in the show coast, in a way uh, would have been the 80s. I was drawing these shapes already in the sand. And lo and behold, working for coast was an opportunity to put them into steel was so exciting and these shapes are well talking about language they're morphic morphology is the study of plants and animals but it's also the study of language and so things that you saw and responded to early on in life you were clarifying later on and putting it down instead of just storing it up inside yourself because it seems to be one of the things an artist does you put in some kind of reality things that you felt and saw so it was wonderful to have an opportunity oh, I'm going to do these cliff glyphs so they're also anthropomorphic and zoomorphic and there's shapes all around us that you reading in your reading of them you're thinking is that a face or is that a jellyfish or what is it? And in terms of language, I suppose we might feel with language we're expressing what we feel about this life or what this life might mean. It's an attempt to know what this life might be, but in a sense we feel we might understand, but I don't really feel we do. It's still a mystery so, to answer your question, things haven't really changed from being a little mite to being an older woman now. <laughs> and I think that's one of the wonderful things about landscape, is it gives you this grounding in your journey through life. As the journey of the land has a different sense of time, so it's hard to cross time but what I really like about this exhibition is having some of the earlier works, Percival, Boyd, Chevalier, these artists' response to this landscape and having we five artists responding to it now and just seeing the similarities and the differences, if there are any. So I suppose, in a sense, that's almost like my journey from something long ago to something now. But the work I've done now, so... This is it, everybody. <laughs> yeah, and the works are really beautiful. The cliff glyphs in particular that come off the wall, these beautiful steel objects that dance within the shadows, uh, have multiple shadows to them. Can you just talk a little bit about your name? You go by the name G.W. Bot. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Yes. Danny, well, it's my nom de plume or my nom de guerre, and I knew when I decided decades ago I was going to stick with being an artist. I needed permission from my family because it meant not bringing a proper wage home. But they were all for it. Thank you to them. It's a hard kind of journey in that way to survive. 
so I needed a name and I love wombats, especially living in Canberra where they're very prevalent. This is the common wombat, the Vombatus orsinus. I've been to Lake Mungo this year as well. They had the hairy-nosed wombat there. They're slightly different habits about them. But I couldn't call myself wombat because in non-Indigenous literature, mainly children's literature, the wombat's made to sound a bit slow and silly and cute. And, well, there's definitely a cuteness about the babies, but they're anything but cute. They're solitary. They're strong. They're more like a European badger. They survive floods, fires and droughts. They also can run like the wind. They're not slow. And they seem to have a wisdom, a wisdom of the ancientness of this earth, which I responded to. And it was quite special seeing hairy-nosed wombat bones at Lake Mungo in the sand. So how ancient is that? So the first European reference came across was French. And wombat was referred to as Le Grand Vombat. So I just took G from grand and W from wom, and instead of bat, in French you kind of say beau, so that became bot. So hence that is the etymology of GW bot. And what I didn't realise at the time, which has been really wonderful, is by having a name in a sense that I've taken on wombat as my totem, like that oneness with the landscape, but it frees you up. I can be as objective about bot as anybody else. Well, thanks for joining us today, Chrissy, and thank you for being part of the Coast Exhibition. It's a wonderful contribution and really enjoyed working with you over the last sort of year in developing this show. Danny, it's been a pleasure to be part of the show and thank you. It's been a delight. Thanks for listening to Episode 8 of our Conversation Series. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. Our 2018 podcast program is supported by the Gordon Darling Foundation. In the next episode, Danny will be talking to another Coast artist, Ewan McLeod, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.